I like to talk. <laughs> Thanks. Yep, so certainly my wife is worth getting to know. She is definitely the the blessing out of me and her, so. But she's teaching in Kid Town, so she couldn't make it out here. It's recording. I got you. Did I turn this on? Is this on? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but Mitch originally asked my wife to teach, but she unfortunately had to teach the second graders, so she couldn't make it out here. Um, so she gave me her notes, and I'll just do the best I can. <laughs> um, anyways, so we're going to be in Mark 6, uh, if you want to go ahead and start flipping over there. Um, of course, Mitch, I, I didn't realize Mitch was the fanciest guy around and has his own personal clicker <laughs> for his slides. <laughs> no one else does that, just Mitch. You, yeah, you gotta... Oh gosh. Now you see how fancy he is. <laughs> Am I doing that? Okay. Alright, we'll see how that goes. And then, uh, it wasn't prayed for, but Mitch, we are praying that um, despite however many times you're trying to get COVID at this point, Three, three, maybe. We, I am praying that your hair would grow back. Um, anyways, okay. Mark six. Um, it's a. Uh, I'm just. Uh, that's kind of where we're studying in our Bible studies in the college class. Uh, a couple Tuesdays ago, I got to speak with uh, Jeff and them at the prayer night, and uh, we were still in Mark six. So now we're just in Mark six again. Just a little further down the chapter. Um, but we're going to be in, as you can tell, verses 34 through 37. And A, I don't know if you guys know what that means. It just means I'm just stopping right at the very first part of the verse. Like, so 37 and a half is kind of what that means. Um, okay, so just rambled on too much, and I don't think the prayer's any good anymore. So I'm going to pray again real quick. Dang it. I Sorry. I try not to ever say pray again real quick because I do it all the time. And so just caught myself. Anyways, let's pray. Uh, God, we love you and we thank you for who you are, um, for being worth talking about for your word, um, for salvation. God, I pray that uh, you would just speak your sermon, your message. Um, that you would use me, that you would uh, just talk to us. I know that um, for me, it was um, just revealing to put it together. And if nothing else, Lord, you've taught me through this. And so thank you. We praise you. We pray for um, main service and all the other classes going on. Lord, we pray for salvation. We pray that souls will be saved today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So this is also kind of broken down into three sections. So if you're taking notes, following along, I'm going to be talking about different sections, and then I'm going to be talking about key points. I don't know what slide is next. Okay, so this is an example. that The top thing in the left is kind of the section that we're going to be in, and then it starts out with the verse. So 
We're going to have verse 34, and that's going to be our first section, and that section is the heart of a father. So I'm going to go ahead and start out. We're going to read Mark 6, verse 34. And it says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion towards them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So where we're picking this up is in the Gospels. Jesus is kind of bursting onto the scene at this point. He's, he's gone through different places. He's healed the, the little girl from the dead. He's, he's, he's done a lot of stuff. He hasn't quite gotten to the loaves. We're on the cusp of the feeding, of, of multiplying the bread and the fish and all that. That's what we're about to go, but we're stopping right before it. And so he's, he's doing this. He's, he's resurrecting people, a person. He's, he's doing miracles. And he's, he's kind of figuring out and showing the world who he is, that he's Jesus Christ, and he has these disciples with him. He's gathered them. And what he's doing is he's, he's doing all this stuff, and he's teaching the disciples at the same time. And so right now we're getting a little glimpse at, at how that's, that's working out in, in Jesus' life. He's, he's doing the, the Father's work, but he's also instructing disciples as well. And so one thing that I like to do when, when I read the Bible is I like to, to read something and then try and figure out how I fit into the passage. So that we know like I'm, I'm not Jesus Christ. I'm not one of the 12 disciples. And so, you know, I'm not necessarily in these words. But as we read it and read what's happening around it, I can kind of figure out, okay, if I was somehow in this passage, which audience would I be? Which group would I be? What, what words are for me? And, and stuff like that. And so I can kind of identify with the disciples here. Um, Jesus, you know, he's, he's teaching them. He's instructing us. You know, Jesus is teaching me. He's instructing me. I can identify with that. Um, so through the Gospels, um, our understanding of what Jesus is doing is, is shaped more and more. You know, so I'm the disciples, we're getting to see more and more of Jesus Christ. And uh, so as we get into it, we, we learn more about his character. There's tons of questions that we start to ask as the disciples ask questions and as the Pharisees pop up who are just anti-Jesus. We see all this stuff and we're finding ourselves in this passage. And so the sections here are just kind of the 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 key kind of hearts that I want you to see, you know, your whole hearts. So you're all about hearts here, right? No, that was just a coincidence. But, um, and so this, this first verse is um, where I saw this, this heart of a father, and we're going to talk about that. So, key point number one, the Christian who walks in the Spirit is moved with compassion for souls. And so maybe we all know what that means. Maybe we, some of us don't. But walking in the Spirit is typically just meaning that you're, you're saved, you're born again, and you're living like Jesus is living through you. You're not living like, like you were living when you were just lost and living in the world. And so when we walk like that, a sign that we are walking like that is that we're moved with compassion for souls. Just like in verse 34, we saw Jesus come out. So he's, he's walking out. And he sees all these people, and his heart is moved with compassion for this crowd of people. And so it says a lot about a person in the way that they observe the people around them. It says a lot about me, how I perceive a crowd of people. If I walk in here, the way I feel towards a group of people says a lot about who I am and what's going on in my heart. In the same way we go out, you know, Amanda goes to Costco, 
and the way she sees the, the people checking out, you know, that, that says something about where her heart's at, that she's able to start a conversation and do all that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Well, you were there. It's on the board. Um, you know, and so when sometimes sometimes we're not in the spirit, though, and that's revealed when we go and maybe we're at somewhere else and the line is huge and all we can think about is, you know, how frustrated we are that the line's huge and we're not thinking about those opportunities. And so how we're perceiving a group of people says a lot about where our hearts are. So when you see and you look out, you see people, do we, this is just a list of, of different examples and options, but like Jesus, do we see them as ship, as sheep? Do we see them as needing guidance and leadership? Jesus saw that there were sheep, and you know, sheep isn't necessarily an insult. They're just a group of animals that require a shepherd to get them to do anything. Otherwise, the sheep are just out being sheep, you know. And then, do you see them, you know, Jesus talks about vipers, Sometimes you see a group of people as snakes needing to be squashed and destroyed. Do you see people as wolves, you know, needing to be chased away? Do you see people as lesser than you and seek to gain from from their presence? When you when you walk into a group of people or a place, are you thinking more about what can I get from being here? Do you see them as equals? Do you see them as when I get show up and I see a group of people that we're going to work together and accomplish tasks together? Or do you see them as, as betters seeking to serve them and their needs? And so that's just, you know, a list of different things, and I'm sure you can think of more. And I don't have an answer. Those are just a list of things for you to think about and review. But here's a, um, a key question for you. That's what Q means. Q stands for question, not any kind of conspiracy theories or anything like that. And so this question is, so what is my typical perception of those around me? So you're thinking and reviewing maybe yesterday, the things that you did. What, what typically was my reaction to, to people? Um, Christ, in identifying the people as sheep, was choosing empathy for those people. He saw that they needed him and that they needed the Father. Christ was always looking to glorify the name of God, and so should we. When Christ saw the people as sheep, this was not negative. This serves to show that Christ chose to give of himself leadership. In this moment, he is deciding that just as these sheep needed a shepherd, that he's deciding to be a father to these, these children, these sons. The shepherd's heart is the father's heart, uh, or a parent's heart. You could probably substitute that in. But it's somebody, it takes a shepherd who cares about what happens to these sheep. It cares about, you know, getting, keeping the wolves away, making sure they're sticking together, none of them are getting lost, making sure they have water, making sure their, their wool doesn't get too long and you need to cut it off. Like, that's, that's the same kind of affection and, and, and care and leadership that, a shepherd gives a sheep as a, as a parent gives a child or should give a child. And so that's the type of heart we're, we're seeing from, from, from Jesus in this verse. When he saw that the people needed help, he didn't get upset. He didn't prioritize his own needs and desires. He wasn't frustrated that all these people were in the way and he couldn't just get to the TV and flip it on. He saw that, that these sheep needed him and he stopped and he was with them. And I don't know how many of you guys have families or, or kids or anything, but um, my, my wife just took a trip to um, Texas this last week. 
And the plan was that I would keep working, and our oldest son was with one set of aunt and uncles, and our youngest son was with another set of aunt and uncles. And so I would work, the kids would be gone, she'd be gone. But then, like, Tuesday, so two days into this week that she would be gone, uh, my youngest son, Boaz, gets sick. And so the aunt and uncles watching him already have kids, and now this my kid's sick. So, you know, change of plans on the fly. I go pick up that that kid. I'm taking care of him. I'm like, well, I'm going to be home. I might as well go pick up my other son. And so, okay, Tuesday, two days into our plan, now I'm at home <laughs> with both of the boys and, and not going to work. And, you know, maybe some of you guys are, are good dads and parents, and you, you know, kind of co-raised your kids together. But for me, I don't know how... I got away with it, but just having my two sons all by myself for a whole week was like a huge wake-up call. <laughs> like, this is like, wow, my wife's life is so hard. I don't know how she does it. Um, and so it gave me a lot of appreciation, but I, I learned a lot from it. And one of the things that, you know, I just started realizing was that there's a giant difference between me having the heart of a father and me having a different heart. So if I have these two kids, it's really easy to try and, okay, you go watch TV. I'm going to try to get him enough food so that they're both just quiet and leave me alone enough so that I can do what I want to do. And that, that, that approach to it is trying to get them out of the way or taken care of so I can do what I want to do is just it's frustrating because it never works, first of all. That little kid is just going wherever you go, never happy unless they're with you. But like, and it, it was great, I'm not complaining about it, but uh, it's frustrating because if, if I'm trying to do what I wanna do and these kids are in the way, they're great at not ever letting me do what I wanna do. And so I'm just getting more frustrated, frustrated, until you realize that you know, being with your kids, having the right heart in that situation is just being with them. You know, it's, it's so much easier just, just to hang out with your kids and be present and, and care about them rather than caring about what you are trying to get done. Even if it's, you know, loading the dishwasher or, or something crazy. Like, I was doing all that too. Mahavala was gone, so I had to clean too. I'm kidding. I help clean. But. <laughs> But it's so different. So, so trying to be with them rather than trying to get them out of the way to do what I want to do was like night and day. It's such a different experience. And, and that was when I was studying this, I was seeing was that's, that's the heart that Jesus chose. He could have tried to get all these people out of the way or, or send, you know, like, I'm not now, and like do the little vanish thing that Jesus does and disappear into a ship and <laughs> pop up somewhere else. But he didn't do that. He, he saw sheep and he chose to be with them. And I think we can learn a lot from that. So that, um, you know, reviewing the question, what's, what's our typical perception of those around us? You know, like, like with, with little kids or with, you know, whatever, maybe you have an experience that you can kind of relate to that. What do we typically do? Do we typically prefer what we want to do? Or, or do we, we, like Jesus, choose the heart of a father and choose to just be with the kids and take care of them? Where do I point this? There. Okay. So here's a couple of just verses, cross-references. But John 4, 34 says, Jesus said unto them, 
My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus is, is displaying this in that moment as, you know, you know, we could maybe be wanting so say we're, we're, I'm hungry and I'm trying to go eat something. So I'm trying to get my kids situated so I can go eat. But Jesus in that situation, his meat is to do the will of the Father, not what he wanted to do. And so that's just a good example. And then Second Corinthians seven thirteen says, Therefore we were comforted in your comfort. Yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. In this example, Paul is saying that he wasn't finding his own comforts, but that he was comforted in that they comforted. So, just a couple examples. Oh, gosh. Huh? That was the next one? Okay. Yep. Okay, yeah, see, the section changed. So, we're in a new section. Uh, we don't go over clickers in, in the, our teaching classes. What? Oh, okay, cool, yeah. Good. Turn this off. Alright, section two, the heart of the flesh. So we're just going, we're, we're going from, that was the heart of the Father, the first verse. And now we'll start reading um, verses 35 and 36. So we're still in Mark chapter 6. And when the day was now far spent, so Jesus has been with these people all the way until now the day is far spent. The day is almost over. He's been with the people all day. His disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and go and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. So, so now while Jesus is being, you know, Jesus, he's, he's doing Jesus stuff, you know, here come the disciples, always about to just say completely opposite of what Jesus is doing. So the disciples bumble up and they're like, oh, Jesus, get rid of these guys, the day's almost over. And so that, that describes to me our, our flesh. And so now we're going to be talking about the heart of flesh. We have the heart of the Father, the heart of flesh, um... And so we see it's annoying that the disciples are constantly doing this. They're like, they're always almost exactly opposite, or they just don't ever get what Jesus is doing in a circumstance. And it's annoying, and uh, I'm always like, just like, come on, guys. But I I think that's true because it it feels a lot like what we can, you know, we just, we, we do that a lot. We're the disciples a lot of the time, and so reading somebody do it, you get more annoyed because you're like, man, I do that all the time. <laughs> and so we do this stuff all the time, and I think that's, that's, the, that's what's most annoying about it. So the disciples come, on, come in, and they're like, all right, we're, we're in the desert, um, so we need to send these people away, let them go eat, wrap it up. We got to get the cleaning team. <laughs> we got to get the cleaning team to come through. Uh, we got to get the coffee ready for Bible study tonight. Uh, I got to, I got, we got to get up early. We got a big day tomorrow, Jesus. Let's get, get rid of these people. Send them out. Let them go get food. Whatever. We need to get going. And so the first glimpse at the heart of the Father. That was the first one. This is the the glimpse at the heart of our flesh. So in contrast, Jesus saw sheep that needed a shepherd. Jesus saw children that needed a father. And Jesus saw that it was good a good time to be about his father's business. But our flesh is only concerned with comfort in ourselves. And the disciples display that. The disciples let Jesus do his thing and teach, but then they 
decide they need to instruct him on the appropriate amount of time and energy to allocate to what he's doing. And I don't know about you, but I want to let Jesus decide how long and what and when, you know, you do whatever you got to do, Jesus. You tell me. But then the disciples are like, okay, Jesus, it's been enough time. Let's send these people away. And I think we do that a lot. I don't, let's let Christ decide when and what and how long he will minister. So this next key question, in, is ministry in my life hindered by the restrictions that I place upon it? Is ministry hindered in my life by the restrictions I place upon it? Romans 7 verse 5 says, For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, is that right? Yeah. Motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. And so when you're in church, are you all in until it's time to go? Or are we already thinking about lunch and Easter and naps and plans for this week? When you're in Bible study, are we all in or are we still thinking about work? Work in the morning, how tired we are, trying to figure out how to get home. When we're asked to serve, are we all in, or are we thinking about how much we're already doing, how much we're already serving, fitting everything else in, that fun thing that we wanted to do, you know, trying to get out and see Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, When you're out socially, are you thinking of how you can speak the gospel or build relationships that could lead to the gospel, or are we more, more concerned with getting what we need done and moving on? When you know that you need to get into the Bible, that you need to open it up and have some personal time with God, do we? And this this can be anything. The list, and I'm sure we could just keep naming lists, but until, unless, we are walking in the Spirit, reading our Bible, um, we will be subject to the heart of our flesh. The only thing that gets us out of that heart is to be with Jesus, who was the opposite of that heart. And so key point number two, the Christian walking in their flesh will seek comfort for themselves. The disciples spent their lives with Jesus. All, like all the disciples did. He, remember he went out and he, he brought them from their ships and he, he took them away from being a tax collector. Like he gathered all these guys and all they do is, is live with Christ every single day. He's the only guy that they see. He's the guy that they hear teaching. But still, we see their flesh all the time. And so, you know, if the first verse was the heart of the Father, um, in this verse, these verses showed us the heart of the flesh. Let's, let's keep reading because we want to see, we want to see some, some, we started here, now we're down here. We got to get back up. We want to get out of the heart of the flesh. And so the next section, uh, yeah, So was Jesus' response to that. So we saw Jesus, he starts shepherding, he has this heart towards people, he wants to care about them. The disciples come in and they're like, okay, go on, like we need to, we need to get going. Now Jesus responds. So Mark six thirty seven, And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And so this is like a, this is a great statement. I mean, it's just like even reading, sorry, I didn't, it, red is like shows up really bad on PowerPoints. Um, 
so I forgot to change it to a different color, but give ye them to eat is just, you know, Jesus' words right here. And it's so, it's so, it's such a good statement. You know, imagine Jesus saying to you, like, give him something to eat. Only Jesus Christ to the, fa- to the face of the flesh, you know. So all these disciples are gathered around Jesus and they're saying what they want to say. You know, they're embodying this fleshly response. And Jesus to the face of flesh, like right in flesh's face, he's the only one who can say, let's do ministry. Through it all, Jesus is concerned with two things. Himself, which is he's the word of God. So it's not actually you know, focusing on self in a bad way. He's focused on the Word of God getting into the souls of men. And it's, it's such a layered statement. And I saw, I saw just at first glance, I was looking kind of at four layers in this statement that Jesus makes. Um, I, should, I probably should have put them up there, but I don't think they're up there. But it's, give ye them to eat. So this, this first way of reading it is the flesh wanted the people to leave and take care of themselves but Jesus wanted to serve them. So you have the people, the fleshes, once, and then Jesus is once, all about the people. Secondly, the flesh wanted the people to go get their own food, but Jesus wanted to feed them. And this, this third way of looking at it, the flesh was thinking about its own, own thinking, its own needs and comforts, but Jesus wanted the flesh to actually carry out his ministry. Because he says, give, give ye them to eat. He's actually telling the disciples to go give them food. And then fourth, the flesh saw only the people's physical needs, but Jesus wanted to give them spiritual life. So the flesh is looking and they see that it's a desert. You know, the day's almost over. There's too many people. They're only thinking about physical stuff. But Jesus is like, no, nope, we'll take care of the physical stuff because all I'm thinking about is spiritual stuff. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the disciples are bringing... Oh, see, now I did red letters, but I didn't know how well it would show up. It's like a salmon. A salmon-y pink. Because red is bad, I guess. I don't know. Okay, so man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so, you know, they're talking about all these people, all these souls that needed, that needed a shepherd. You know, Jesus was identifying them as sheep. They needed him as a shepherd, and they were hungry. It's the end of the day. They've been with him all day long, and, and the disciples are like, okay, they need to go eat. But Jesus, this, is, this informs us, like, kind of how Jesus is thinking. These guys, they're not going to live by just bread. Bread's not important. That they go eat isn't important because they're going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that mouth of God is Jesus Christ. And so he's, he's like, I'm going to feed them. Like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this miracle and miraculously feed them. But I'm going to do another miracle and speak food into these souls' lives. Obviously, we can see that the way Jesus Christ approached this situation is so different from the disciples. And so, you know, it's Easter. We're celebrating the fact that Christ rose from the dead. And that means not only is today the day of salvation, but it means that he's coming back. 
So this Jesus, who, who lived and was only about getting food and, and spiritual food into the lives of the souls of souls, 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 that guy is coming back. And that guy not only, you know, is coming back, but if, if you believe in him, then he lives inside of us. And so if, if Jesus Christ, I've accepted Jesus Christ into my life and I can choose to walk in him, that means that lots of my decisions and, and the way that my heart reacts in situations ought to reflect the way he acted when he was here because he should be inside of me. This next question is, uh, what will you do in light of the gospel? So key point number three. The Christian walking with Jesus will be like Jesus. <coughs> so being like Jesus um, is a, a pretty loaded statement, you know? That's a lot to just say. Like, we should be like Jesus. What? <laughs> but what part about him? Like all of them? I mean, he was God, wasn't he? Um, but so here's just a little bit, a little bit about Jesus. Jesus Christ was God made flesh, right? So God created the universe, made Jesus Christ part of himself. He needed to be on earth. So he made Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. That means that he never sinned. He had no sin that that had any hold or any place on his, his body. Jesus lived a perfect life. He did this so that he could manifest the will of God the Father. God's will was that no man would walk this earth and not know him. Right? God wants to walk with every single human on the earth. That's what he wanted. But not just know him he wanted he wanted to know every man he wants to know everybody he wants to walk with them but that means that something needed to be done about sin in man because when there's sin inside of us we don't we can't walk with god because <coughs> this is like i mean brian preached this when we were going through preach night and i'll like remember it for the rest of my life but in deuteronomy well i say that i think it's deuteronomy 5 um you know it talks about this mountain and God, when, when Moses is, is trying to meet with God, he's up in the mountain. And God's presence on the mountain is like just fire. It's, it's just an inferno, like blazing up at the top, like there's fire. And is like God's like, all right, come, come hang out with me, everyone. And the Jews are there and with Moses and the Israelites. And they're like, um, that's fire. If I go up there, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, I'm going to melt. There's, I can't go be in fire. And Moses is like, all right, I'll go. And Moses walks up into the fire and he comes back, you know. But that, that picture is one thing that pictures for me is that that fire is like God's holiness, right? God is, is perfect because God doesn't have, have sin. God is holy. And our, our sin can't get into the presence of God. It, it's not able to get into the fire. It has to be burned away for us to get through the fire, into the fire. So, something had to be done. Something has to be done about the, our sin because God is so holy that he can't tolerate sin's presence next to him. The sin that brought mankind, that, that mankind brought into itself at the Garden of Creation. So, you know, Garden of Eden, Adam, Eve, 
sin happens, and now that just so just like Sam was saying, everyone can trace back their there's no like God created an, another person and that person didn't have sin. Everyone is just like this, you know, giant family tree that it was Adam and Eve and then Noah and it restarts. So now it's like Noah and his family in a giant family tree. So everyone has that sin that connects us all the way back to Adam and Eve. And so the, the sin blocks the ability for us to truly be with God. And so Jesus, God made flesh, the perfect son, had let, let himself be killed by humanity. Jesus, God, comes to earth, lets humanity kill him. And what this did was, was pay what was owed for the sin in us. In order for us to walk with God, that sin had to be removed, but the only way to remove it is death. The price of sin is death. It's the only way to, to deal with it. Sin's there. The only way to get rid of sin is, is death. It's the only currency that is able to trade. You know, Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death. That's, that's it. In order for us to walk with God, it has to be removed. There has to be a death. Just like the sacrifices in the Old Testament, the way, the way people would get rid of sin in their hearts is they would make a sacrifice. They would, they would give death. For that sin to be absolved. And Jesus died, but died a death so much bigger that he lets us accept that death as our own. You know, there's a there's a story, um, I don't remember who wrote it, but it's like a Civil War story. It's actually in a book, probably in Chris's class somewhere. Uh, crucified, I think it's Crucified with Christ is the book. But there's a story of this um, this like guy gets conscripted to war in the Civil War, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to go. He has a family or in, in whatever, and so he's got all these conditions or, or whatever. So he doesn't want to go. So another person, his friend or whatever. So say, say Ji Sung gets like called up. Now he gets this letter. They require you to go to war, and so what happened was another guy said, "I'll I'll take that. I'll be Ji Sung and I'll go to war." I'll go to war for him so he can stay with his family, he can do all that. And so legally, like how that happened in, in the Civil War times was that person like took that and became him. And then later, that guy who, so me, I took Ji Sung's, whatever that's called, uh, recruitment, conscription, I don't know what it's called, a draft, yeah, they were drafted. So he takes it and he goes, I go and I die in the Civil War. And so. The, the U.S. or whatever, Confederates, I don't know. They come back, and they're like, hey, we need you we need you to come back for war. They come back and try to draft Ji Sung again, but he goes to court about it because the, the act of me taking his draft letter, whatever you want to call it, and dying, what that did in this story, and I'm, I'm butchering it, you have to read it for yourself, like Google it or something. <laughs> But what that, that did was legally, Ji Sung already fulfilled his commission and died in battle. And so there was, no, there was no way, legal right, for them to sign him up again because he already died and served in the body of this other person. And that, that's, what, that's what Jesus' death does for us. Jesus lived that life and died and did it in such a way that we have that opportunity 
to say, you know, I have this sin, I have this stuff in my life, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, we, we come from the world and it's crazy. I, I'm willing to accept, you know, what that soldier did for, for that other soldier, I'm willing to accept what Jesus Christ did for, for all of us. And, and when I do that, his death dies for sin for me. So when I accept that, you, you can't come asking for the sin and, and come asking me to pay for that sin because Jesus did it. I, I can't be drafted. I, I died in the death of Jesus Christ if you accept it. And we get that opportunity. We get the gift, not the reward or the compensation. We get the free will offering to say, yes, I choose to claim that, that payment for my sin. And, and so when, when we accept that death, we accept what Jesus did, we die in him. And so just like baptism, you know, we saw a baptism this morning, how a body is taken and it's, it's plunged underneath the water. And they say, you know, buried, buried in death and raised in the light of his glorious resurrection. So what that's picturing is just how Jesus died. So this, this water, this is the water. You're dunked under the water and you're raised up. So just like Jesus, this water that we're doing it in, he, was, he died and was buried in the earth. And then three days later, he rose from the earth. That's what baptism pictures. So we get to accept that death. And just like baptism, we die with Jesus and we're raised again with new life. It doesn't, it doesn't end there. Every other story of like, you know, a different God or a different deity or something that's got something for your life, it all kind of stops when, when that deity dies. Like, I can't go see him or anything. But when we, the, the cool thing about Jesus is that he didn't just stay dead, is that on, on Easter, you know, three days later, he rose again. <coughs> just like baptism, where we're, we're buried for a brief three days, and we rise again. Jesus was dead for a brief three days and rose again. And what that does, that death, Jesus, God's death, does, is it was, it was done in such a way that it kind of like broke the system of, of man's death. It changed everything when Jesus did that. Because he wasn't ended like he wasn't ended by death. Jesus rose again and then he's coming back for his people. But we're not just sitting we're not just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back for us. And so so, you know, Romans ten says if if we desire to accept that death, you know, we all we have to do is, is say, you know, Jesus, I believe in you and I accept you. If I confess what he did, I, I, want, I want that payment. I want you. I can just do that. And it's a gift and it's easy. But we're, we're not just left here sitting once we do that. There's, there's a purpose to his return and how he wants to walk with us. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. It could be any second. It could be right... Uh, it could be right now, you know? It, it could be, you know, I don't know how much. It could be any moment. We can't, we can't calculate when Jesus Christ is coming back because that's the, that's the point of it. If you knew that it was like next week, like we would all be like, okay, a couple days, got a couple days off, I'll empty the bank, don't need to go to work, and then I'll, you know, we, we, would, we would mess it up. It has to be a surprise. In the little time, it could be right now. In the little, the little time that we have, we have to be about getting those people food. Like, just like Jesus was. He knew everything that was going to happen. 
But despite all of that, in the moment he walked out and saw a group of people, he's like, man, these are sheep and they need a shepherd. I need to take care of these people. I need to feed these people. And so just like Jesus, when we go anywhere, it's, it's not right for us to have any other response than how, how can I help these, how can I help this person? How can I help these people? How can I help these tiny little kids? You know, it's easy to help little kids. But how, how can we serve what, what the situation around us? We have to be about the mission. Um, this isn't this isn't time for us and, and our ideas, disciples. You know, the disciples always have great ideas about what Jesus is doing. It's not time for that. It's time for us just to be a part of whatever Jesus is doing. And and Jesus doesn't need our feedback. Like, okay, that was a good sermon, Jesus. Let's wrap it up and uh, do something for tomorrow. Like, he doesn't need our feedback. We just need to participate. And so, if I don't know, I hope that's helpful in just that that chapter and kind of how to how to find yourself in a little passage that was mark 6 34 through 37 um and so what i what i'd like to do now that's kind of the conclusion of the message and i don't know how you guys do it um typically because i've never been in here um but if we it'd be cool if we could just like have like a little prayer time and just kind of break up into groups kind of like a prayer night and like we could pray over this stuff and then um, you know if you wrote down any of those key questions that'd be a great thing to for us all to pray about I think okay you know okay you guys do it yes add one more thing onto the prayer list um, I would want to start writing we write forgiveness letters to people uh-huh. I want to write forgiveness letters to my children tonight um, okay. um, I want to Sure. Forgiveness letters. Cool. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> Done. That was great.